0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Now I'm convinced that there's two types of people in the world. There's people who read how-to manuals and instruction manuals, and there's people who take four hours to put together an IKEA dresser. Anyone in the room? It's me. My wife and I, we really don't argue too much unless there's a new piece of Ikea furniture in the house and then it's yelling matches and it's crazy. I'm kidding. I'm just yelling and she's the kindest person in the world. But. You know, gearing up for this message, you know, how to live daily for God, I went on Google and I typed in how to, and I don't know if you guys, you know, uh, on the Google search bar, as soon as you type something and it starts to auto-populate what it thinks you're going to say next. In fact, if you've already typed in the beginning of a phrase, it'll auto-populate what you've already previously in the past put in there. And I'm typing this in, I said, how to, and it comes up with how to lose weight and continue to eat cupcakes. (laughs) Then right under that it said how to make sugar-free cupcakes, and then under that it just said how to make cupcakes. Like (laughs) I just retraced, like I'm going down this sugary hole, and it's horrible. It's crazy. But I just found it so interesting in life that they have how-to manuals for, you know, for the easiest things in life. You know, they have how-to manuals. You can go on YouTube, Google, and they, they give you a how-to, how to do this, how to do that. But they, there's no manuals for the hardest things in life, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, I never read a manual that told me that I need a riot mask when I change my son's diaper. Because there's all sorts of stuff, explosions, and it's just why It's crazy. You just, nothing prepares you for that. You know, there's, there's no how-to manual to try to get your Uber driver to be quiet in the morning so you can sleep a little bit longer. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like you think if you put headphones on, if you're on your phone, like they they just understand, they they get it, they catch it. But they want to let you know, hey, all night this happened. And I just don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand. I was 15 years old and I wish I had a how-to manual for this. How many of you have ever been broken up with before? Oh, I know. I'm 15 years old. And I wish I had a how-to manual on how to break up with someone. Leah Welch. Leah, if you're in the room, I'm sorry. (laughs) 15 years old, 16 years old, puberty, it's crazy. I had hair bangs that literally went past my chin. Like I was an emo kid. I had red in my hair, I called it scarlet. It was just red, it's fine. Okay, truthfully, it was pink, but that's fine. And I remember I was dating this girl, and, you know, it was great. It was awesome, and, you know, air well sent messenger, and it was fun. And we were dating for five months. That's a long time in high school years. You know, that, that, we might as well have been high school married. It was great. Five months on our fifth anniversary <laughs> month. She says something to me. Stands out. She says, Nate. I said, yes, Leah. She says, I love you. I responded, thank you so much. <laughs> You're amazing. Can't wait for our six-month anniversary. <laughs> the next day, we're at this restaurant, Red Robin. Um, it's very romantic. And we're sitting there, and, you know, our uh, our bottomless fries come out, our Klecks and fries, and it's great. And there's actually a bunch of us there. There's a whole group of us, and we're up against the booth, and they have us slid all the way down. You know the awkward booths where you have to, like, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Let me get through. We're all the way at the end. And she leans over in front of everyone and says, oh, my gosh, I love you so much. This is where I wish I had the how-to manual. I don't know what to do. I say, hey, Leah, let's go talk in the car for a second. (laughs) Sneak our way out, go to the car. She's like, oh, what do you want to talk about? I don't know how to say this, but I don't love you and I'm never going to love you. She starts laughing, (laughs) ha 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 ha! Nate, stop it! What do you really want to talk about? Well, I think we need to break up. The next thing that happens, just I don't. It just it was crazy. She leaned over and threw up. It was horrible. I said, "Hey, let me drive you to your car. Drive you to your car." Fast forward the tape. Five years. Steph and I were married. We move into our first apartment. It's great. It's awesome honeymoon season. It's amazing. One day I'm in, I'm in our apartment and I hear people talking outside. I'm like, who are, who are these people talking right outside my door? And I look through the people and it's Leah and her mom checking out the apartment directly across the hallway from ours. <laughs> so then I threw up. <laughs> but how many of you wish sometimes you had a how-to manual in life? Paul here in Colossians, really what he's doing is he's describing, he's giving us a how-to, how to live daily for God. If, if God's going to call us to live a life to serve him and to love him, Paul's describing, this is how you live daily for God. Let, let me encourage you, some of us, we're looking for breakthrough and we're looking for results, we're looking for God's presence in our life, but we're just trying to live Sunday for God and not live daily for God. God's saying, live daily and watch and see that daily I show up, daily I encourage you. Daily I enter in. Daily I show you how much I love you. God's calling us into a daily life with him. And Paul's saying, this is a how-to manual. This is an instruction. I want to show you how to live daily for God. Write down point, point number one. To live for God is to live with God. To live for God, you've got to live with God. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. I love what it says. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Let's stop right there. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, my wife and I, this last Saturday we had an opportunity to move from our apartment into a much better apartment. It's, it's renovated and refurbished, and it's a, it's, this whole thing's a miracle, and it's the same square footage, but we pay $90 less a month, and it's amazing, and it has one of those thermos, thermostats that you can on your phone change. I'm like literally sitting next to it, and I'm still on my phone changing it just because it's cool, you know. And we move in, and we got an opportunity to get a new roommate to live with us. And there's two rooms, and the roommate moved into the other room, and we had to start to decide what are some things we need to get rid of in order for her to move in, right? And so we, we looked, and there's some furniture that we wanted to give away and some things we wanted to sell, some things that we threw away, some things we took to goodwill because we needed to make room in order for our roommate to come. You you know, I think all of us understand in order for God to show up in our life, there needs to be some things that shift and move around in our life. You know, physics, I'm getting real scientific here, physics declares that there's no two things that can occupy the same space in the same time. In other words, when something goes somewhere, it displaces something else. In order for God to live with you, you've got to allow him, invite him in. Because as soon as Jesus shows up, he starts to displace things that aren't of him, that aren't like him. He begins to push things out that aren't of his nature and aren't of his goodwill. When you invite Jesus in, all of a sudden things begin to change. And things begin to shift. You know, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible, tells, the Bible describes that, where he is, there's light, and there's no darkness at all. In other words, where there's light, there cannot be darkness. In our life, when we invite Jesus in to live with us, and the Bible says that if we, would just make it, if, if we would just invite him in, he would make his home within our heart. Notice here, it doesn't say if we convince him, if we persuade him, if we dance the dance and talk the talk and walk the walk and read our Bibles, then he'll make his way. It just says invite him, it, receive him in. This morning, I believe that Jesus wants to make his way into our life. Some of us, we live our life, and maybe, yes, we've said yes to Jesus. But we walk around as Christians afraid of our own shadow. As if I see this darkness in my life, and it's reminding me that I'm fixated on my shadow. I'm afraid of it, my mistakes, and my my mess-ups, and my shame. Do you know that the shadow is only an indication that there's a light in the room? Come on, you might see a little bit of darkness. That doesn't mean you're without the light. But when you invite Jesus in your life, all of a sudden he begins to displace the darkness around you. And the only darkness left is what's behind you. And you're able to see and say, wow, these are some things I'm still working on. But I got a light that's illuminating my path ahead of me. I can move forward into my future. To live with God or to live for God is to live with God. I think we should have moments of inviting Jesus into our day. Right, moments where we say, okay, God, as soon as I wake up, after I press, press the 14th uh, snooze button, I'm going to invite you in my day. In the morning, my invitation for Jesus to come into my day is the form of a coffee cup. So God, as soon as I'm done with this, then you can come into my day because no one wants to be around me when I first wake up, right? You, but you invite him. You wake up. He said, God, this day is your day. Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. Your will, not my will. You invite him in. You invite them in on your commute to work in your car. We live in Los Angeles. There's a lot of time to pray in the car. Man, right, in your Uber ride, right, if you want your Uber driver to shut up, you just ask to pray for him. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) right, you just find moments in your day. Find situations, right? Before you make a big decision, just invite Jesus into the moment. God, I, I know I'm, I'm presented with this big opportunity, but is this something you really want to do? Is it, are you really leading me here, right? Take every meal and create an opportunity to invite Jesus in. That's why I eat so much. I'm just creating lots of opportunities. Brownie here, scone there, hamburger here, right? A Breakfast, a, you know, brunch. Liner, dinner, lunch, you know, just <laughs> filling my day, just moments to invite Jesus in but can I encourage you, our God is a God who will never leave you, nor forsake you, he'll never abandon you, in fact, he's with us here today, he's here in the moment, even in the despair of your depression, in the bitterness of betrayal, in the hurt of hopelessness, in the chaos of confusion, you invite Jesus in the middle of those situations, in those circumstances, all of a sudden, everything begins to shift, everything begins to change, you might have felt depressed, now you're encouraged, you might have felt alone, now you have community because you invite Jesus into the moment of your life. If you want to live for God, you have to live with God. You know, when we invited this roommate in, you know, Stephanie, she went out and she bought some towels and some flowers and wrote a little note and we we put some furniture in her room and when she walked into her room, she could feel feel that the room has been prepared for her. All this get an opportunity to say, okay, God, I want to prepare the way for you. I'm inviting you into this moment. so that way you can make a place here And I can live daily for you. Write down point number two. To live for God is to live from strength. To live for God is to live from strength. To live from victory. I love that our God is an undefeated God. He's always victorious. He's never been intimidated. Our God has never been turned away. The Bible says that the army of God, they might uh, approach a wall and they'll scale it. They'll go over any obstacle. Come on, we gotta, we're a people that we should live from strength. Let me encourage you. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, Paul talks about how we live from strength. It says, rooted and built up in him. I love that picture, being rooted and built up in him. Strengthen in the faith as you are taught and, overwhelming, or, and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, how do you live from strength? There's mornings where I wake up and I feel like the last thing I'm doing is living from strength. I wake up in the morning like, man, I feel weak this morning. I go to bed at night and sometimes I feel like I don't know what happened this day, but I feel weak going into this day. But watch, you find your strength in being rooted. You find your strength in your root system. Though the storm may go and the wind may blow, your roots keep you grounded. Your roots keep you strong. Let me give you three quick ways, three quick things to live with strength day in, day out. Number one, the first one, is planted makes perfect. Planted makes perfect. I used to think that practice makes perfect, but I realized really quickly, I can read my Bible, I can pray, I can go to church by myself, I can do all these things, but if I'm not planted in one place, all of this will just lead to me being exhausted, burnt out, short-lived, all of a sudden the wind blows, and because I'm not planted, I fall over. You can be praying, you can be practicing, but if you're not planted, you'll never be like Christ. Planted makes perfect. Perfect. That's why it's so important. You should grab one of these uh, against the tie, one of these Colossians journals, and every day be planted in the Word of God. Right? We stand upon the rock, and it's strong and it's powerful. We find ourselves planted, and our roots are going down. In in, in the Word of God, in worship, you can plant yourself. In prayer, you can plant yourself. It's not the practice, it's being planted. It's making a commitment to say, I'm going to be planted in this place. Some of you, this place is Zoe Church. And now it's time to make a decision. I'm going to make the commitment to be planted here at Zoe Church. I'm going to be in here for the long haul. I'm going to go through growth track. I'm, I'm going to make this place my home. Others of you, maybe it's a different church or it's a different place. But let me encourage you. You want to have strength in your life. You've got to get planted somewhere. What we write down the second one is that there's strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. Isn't it so true? The Bible says that Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. Why does he leave the 99? Because there's strength in numbers. Even if a wolf tried to come at 99 sheep, and let me, let me tell you, sheep are stupid animals. But 99 of them together are a force. They're intimidating. That's why we encourage people to join a connect group so desperately. Not just because we want to have people in connect groups, meeting at coffee shops and ice creameries and restaurants and beaches all across the city, but because we know there's strength in numbers. If you want to live daily for God, you've got to be in community. you got to join a connect group. You've got to be with people. you got to be in numbers. Watch, all of a sudden, something comes your way. The enemy comes your way, and you can stand strong because you have people next to you. My wife and I, we, we love to go hiking. And we went to Yosemite when we first moved here, and actually, we've gone to Yosemite like 30 times. It's great. It's awesome. It's like Disneyland for hikers, but in, in Yosemite, there's these giant, majestic, powerful trees, these redwood trees. And if you've ever seen them, you feel so humble in comparison to their scale. Hundreds of feet off the ground. You know, I, I, I thought going into this that these trees, they were rooted so deep and so far. But that's not the case. In fact, redwood trees, only, their roots only go five or six feet deep. But what they do, their strength isn't in the depth of their roots. Their strength is in the connectivity of their roots. In fact, you'll never find a redwood tree alone. It's always in a grove. Because the roots, they go five or six feet deep, and then they go out, and they start to grab a hold and intertwine and weave themselves amongst the other roots of the other redwood trees. And when one seems to fall away, actually, the uh, science tells us that when one starts to get sick, all the nutrients of the other trees start to send help and send aid and protect the tree that's fallen, protect the tree that's sick, until it gets better again. That's what community does. That's where you find strength. It's not just in your own roots going deep, it's about your roots being connected and grabbing a hold and as soon as the wind comes, as soon as the enemy comes, you can say I'm standing side by side throw your best at me, it's not just me, I got my whole connect group I got my whole serving team, I got my family, I got my friends, you don't have anything that can take us out you want to live for God, you got to live in strength the last part of this, that if you want to live from strength is You gotta live to serve. You gotta start serving. It's one thing to be a connect group and you're hanging out and it's fun and you're praying for each other. It's a whole nother thing when you're serving a vision bigger than you are. It's a whole nother thing when you go from a group of people singing kumbaya and saying, Jesus, you're so amazing, to saying, we're going to live on purpose. We're going to live on mission. There's nothing that can stop us from moving forward. Strength, we're not just talking about defense at this point, holding off the attacks of the enemy, holding off the attacks of the devil. Strength is saying we're taking a step forward and no one can stop us. That's why growth track is so important, to jump on the dream team, to start serving here at Zoe Church. to Start getting involved. It's so important because now you're living bigger than yourself. Now you're not limited to your own vision, but you're living for a a vision that's a God vision, something that's bigger than you. Amen? Now watch this. You, You live with God. You live from strength. Write down point number three. To live with God is to live overflowing with thankfulness. To live for God is to live overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2 verse 7. It says, rooted and built up in him. Come on, strength. Strengthened in the faith as we were taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. I love this picture. Overflowing with thankfulness. So much thanks, so much gratitude that you can't contain it within yourself. You're overflowing. Can I encourage you today that thankfulness is not an emotion. Thankfulness is a choice. You get to choose thankfulness. You get to choose gratitude. You get to choose to be grateful. Watch, when you're thankful, you'll never be without. When you're thankful, you'll never struggle with pride. When you're thankful, the arrows will stop being pointed into your limited self, and it'll start being pointed outwards. When you're thankful, things begin to shift and things begin to change. I I, I think it's so interesting. Being thankful, watch this, watch what it does. Being thankful, it actually opens up our eyes to see the love and grace of God that's been right in front of us the entire time. Let me say it like this. The Bible tells us that God's grace is forever abounding towards us, that his love is unconditional, that there's no limit to his love, there's no limit to his favor, there's no limit to his mercy, there's no limit to his grace. The only thing that stops us from receiving the love and grace of God is our ability to be thankful for it. Because when we're thankful for it, we're declaring, I can see it. It's in front of me. I can perceive the grace that's there. I can, I can feel it. I know it. I, I'm not just saying, I'm not just being thankful for nothing. I, I'm declaring it in this moment. I think all of us, we get an opportunity to find something to be thankful for in every moment, in every situation that we're in. Now, what I'm not saying is to be the fake thanks guy. You know what I'm talking about? Like the guy who's just like fake positivity. Like everything, this whole house is burning down. And he's like, well, it's raining outside. (laughs) Crying on the inside. Like I'm not talking about a fake thanks. I'm not talking about, you know, when someone asks you how you're doing, you're like, oh, if I was doing any better, there'd be two of me. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. But a real thanks to live for God, an overflowing of thanks. It's a connotation. That you're overflowing with thankfulness. That your thankfulness isn't just an appreciation, but it's contagious. That everywhere you go, you begin to overflow thankfulness. It's this phrase right here when you go into your workplace. I know what you're going through. How are you still smiling? How how are you still positive? How do you have that outlook on life? You're overflowing with thankfulness. I just believe here in this place, some of us, we get an opportunity to write down today, God, I'm thankful for this. God, I'm so thankful for this. Let me encourage you, if you find yourself in a moment of despair, just begin to rattle off things you're thankful for. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my son. I'm thankful that God, when you found me, I was hurt and I was full of shame and I was full of sin and I was disgusting, yet you still loved me and you pulled me out of the grave and now I can live a life in strength overflowing with thankfulness. If you wanna live a life for God, You've got to live a life full of thankfulness. It's one thing to say, you know, I love God, and he's great, and he's awesome, but let me tell you about all this, all this stuff I'm going through, and I always find I never want to be around people who only have negative things to say. But people who are excited and thankful and positive, I want to be in their space. I want to be around those people. They seem like the people that are living life at the highest ability they can for God. Amen. If you really want to express your thankfulness, You don't just write it down, you're not just thankful in heart, but you always show your thankfulness in serving. You always show your thankfulness in an attitude. You always show your thankfulness in your decisions. Write down point number four, if you want to live for God, you have to love his people. If you want to live for God, and I'll invite the worship team back up, if you want to live for God, you've got to love his people. To be thankful is to say, I'm not living a life for myself. But I'm looking at the one who provides for me, who supplies all of my need. And I'm not just going to store it up, but in my thanks, I'm going to love his people. In fact, it says here in John chapter, I'm getting there. First John one twenty, it says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Let's read this one more time. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. You know, if you want to live for God today, if you want to live for God daily, you got to get in the practice of pouring out your life for others around you. I'm not talking about the people who look like you, who sound like you, who have the same status of you, same color, same creed, same belief. I'm talking about you love all of God's people. You want to start to live a life daily for God. You got to start living like Jesus. In fact, the Bible says we go from glory to glory, strength strength to strength, becoming more like Jesus. You want to become more like Jesus. You look around and you say, how can I love this person today? How can I love the barista today? How can I love the host today? How can I love the mechanic today? How can I love my coworker today? I want to pour out my life to love the people around me. You want to live a life daily for God. You live a life not focused on yourself, but by loving people around you. Mark says it so, and Mark Jesus says it so beautifully, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I was reading this, and I began to feel uncomfortable. I began to feel convicted. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There was a moment where I looked and I said, I can't love my neighbor well because I don't love myself well. How can I love my neighbor as I love myself? I barely even love myself. I have all sorts of insecurities and all sorts of shame, and I fall short of the glory of God. How am I possibly supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself? Come on, why do we have so much turmoil? Why do we have so much hate? Why do we have so much division? Why is there racism and sexual abuse? It's because people don't know how to receive the love of God in their life. It's because people are loving people the way they love themselves. But can I encourage you, God doesn't want you to stay in the way that you see yourself. God sees you so much differently. And as soon as you start to see how God sees you, you start to see yourself differently. When you start to look at the Bible and and start to read that he chose you, and he loves you, and he cares for you, he redeems you, he rescues you, he calls you his son, he calls you his daughter, he calls you the head and not the tail, he calls you a chosen people, he calls you a royal priesthood. all of a sudden you say, no, no, I am a man of God, I am a woman of God, I can care for his people, because now I know how God loves me, and I can look at my life and say, I can love myself. You wanna live daily for God, you start laughing a lot. You start laughing at your failures, You start poking fun at your mistakes because I know this, no sin, no shame, no mistake is bigger than God's grace, God's mercy, God's love. There's nothing he can't pull me out of. It doesn't matter how overwhelmed I feel as soon as I stand on the rock of Jesus, now everything seems to fall by the wayside. How do you live daily for God? You start loving his people. Bible says in James to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to stay unspotted from the world. I always think of this orphans and widows. I don't know a lot of orphanages in Los Angeles. I don't I don't know a lot of widows in Los Angeles but the Bible describes Jesus. I think it's so interesting as the groom of the church. In other words, there's a whole lot of people who are widows simply because they don't know the groom who Jesus is. And I get to serve people who don't know Jesus by being the love of Jesus, by being the hands of Jesus, by being the feet of Jesus. I don't know a lot of orphans, but I know a lot of people who don't know that they have a heavenly Father who's loving them, who cares for them. The Bible says who knew them before they were even knit together in their mother's womb. I get to love those people. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.